All right. Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about giant birds. And Alaska. Giant birds in Alaska, I'd say. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. This is this is Pat and uh, and Matt, and we have we we're gonna we're going back to our roots here. We're gonna do a fun episode. I'm on excited about a, this. Yeah, me too. On on a we've been oh man, we've just been slogging through legislative stuff this year, and uh, I'm excited to do kind of a focus episode on a weird Alaska thing, and that is the impossibly large bird of the Mendenhall Valley. Do you know anything about this, Matt? A little bit. Um, so I've seen the headlines and read the stories about there's apparently a very large bird, um, flying around in Juneau. Uh, it's what the size of a road, basically. Is that what, is that, so what, what, how, what is it? What is the, how big is it? What's the, what's the deets on us? The wingspan of, of the highway. It came swooping down from above. You know, I, I've, I've heard various stories. There's, there's one great story of a woman who was like out kayaking and the water just kind of started like bubbling and boiling. And they saw this giant bird emerge from the water that it dove in to, to catch something and it just flew away and, I, it, it sounded fantastic, but my my cousin tells me that this woman is not the kind of person who makes stuff up, and he used to work with her. The thing is, like, you hear all this kind of stuff all the time, but you hear enough of it about one specific animal in one specific area, and you're like, oh man, maybe that's out there. Maybe that's a maybe that's a thing that really exists. Like Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, exactly. Like Bigfoot. And so we've got our own little like Bigfoot in Juno uh here and it's the impossibly large bird and i don't know we you know so anyways i wanted to talk to someone with with some scientific chops so i reached out to my friend jen karnick who is just super awesome she studied bats and uh you know she runs the clean harbors initiative right now and she's um She's just a wonderful human being, and she was our guest. If you remember long ago, she was our guest guest on the Marmot Day episode. Oh, of, Marmot uh, Day! Yeah, and so uh, so I reached back out to Jen, our science friend. And do you know if we, this giant bird eats marmots? Oh God, yeah, probably. I mean, it, probably, it might. Eat, yeah. She says it might eat. It might eat goats. Ooh, yeah. So, anyways, I'm gonna play this uh, conversation. Jen and I went out looking for the for the impossibly large bird. And uh, had a nice little conversation about, uh, you know, cryptozoology. Here we go. All right. So I'm here with Jen Karnick. And Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a person who's been very interested in all sorts of different science. But mainly, I'm a, I'm a biology nerd. I have a background uh, in marine science uh, with a particular interest in acoustics but in pursuing that I've studied all sorts of things from marmots to harbor porpoises and uh, all, all sorts of things that have gone all over the world um, and I'm really fascinated by this story that people keep bringing up down here in the valley uh, the idea of finding a large unknown animal would be it's pretty exciting yeah. So, uh, what was the what was the title in the news article we read? It said, uh, uh, "Impossibly large bird sighted in Mendenhall Valley." Impossibly large bird. Impossibly large. What is impossibly large? Like, what's a what are what are normal bird sizes? Well, so everybody seems to have this idea of 
of birds around here being pretty decent size. We know that eagles have a good, uh, good decent wingspan, like a man size, right? Six feet. Uh, have you ever been up to the Mount Roberts Tramway, the nature center up there? Yep, and they've got uh, the raptor center has an eagle up there. Yeah, the, the eagle. And then you also have this thing you can stand against, and you spread your arms out, and you find out what kind of bird you, ha you are. You would probably close, be close to an eagle with a six-foot wingspan. I am, I believe, a Canada goose. So <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm quite a bit shorter. <laughs> so, so everybody here has this idea of what a bird should look like, and I would believe that impossibly large means that, that people are seeing something. Like that, two, three times that size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're talking like 20-foot wingspan? A 20-foot wingspan, which does sound pretty impossible. Well, that's great. So... So we're here sitting on the edge of the lake today, looking out uh, across towards the back loop road, which is where most of these sightings occurred. And we're just doing some sort of visual observation. Um, is this a good starting point or are we going about, that, about this backwards? I think this is a great place to be looking for a bird that uh, most people seem to have this idea that the bird is a lot like either a raven or an eagle. They, they don't go too far from this basic description of, a, of an eagle type bird little differences but yeah so they'll say it's like an eagle but it has a shorter tail or longer you know a shorter beak or it's more curved or yeah darker darker than ours yeah. right but in my so in my head what i have is this idea of a raptor type bird and the thing that i like about Ock lake is that you have a environment where a raptor could get either fish that's in the lake or small mammals that are on the edges of the lake. We know that there are plenty of bald eagles around the edges. We saw two just walking up here. Um, and sitting here, there's actually one flying right across from us right now. Um, and sitting here gives us a good view of quite a bit of sky. So if there is something out there searching, and actually this is a great time of day too. Um, what I've been told is that raptors tend to like late morning to early afternoon because they'll soar on the thermals oh okay because um, everything's getting warmed up and, everything's yeah. getting warmed up and if we had a direct sun you'd be you'd see those smaller creatures casting shadows on the ground okay yeah so we yeah, have what what kind of diet would an impossibly large bird have i would expect an impossibly large bird to be looking possibly for fish but also for some of those uh little critters that we have the snowshoe hares that may be out near the glacier um bigger than squirrels i would think some of the baby goats that are being born right now up on the mountains oh my god that's what i was gonna say we don't have the budget for it but i wanted to bring out a goat and tie it up here and see if it got carried away i i think that's a, a fascinating idea might also be good just to go up on a mountain and look for goats <laughs> but, uh, that, that would be a second trip i think so um, you've seen a couple posts about this. Uh, tell me about your um, the sightings that we know about. What do we know about this bird? So it seems like most people are actually fairly consistent in saying that it is a large, dark bird with a wingspan that, to their eyes, seems to cross the road. Um, what I found interesting was that most of the sightings that we've heard about are people driving down, say, Backloop Road, it sounds like, and they see the bird above the treetops, and that gives them a perspective of a wingspan that, that goes from one treetop to another treetop. That's, that's wild. So, so that, that is in line with this idea of, uh, you know, like a, almost a, a, somewhere in the 10 to 20 foot range. Right. Yeah. And 
and it is possible that they're you know driving their car and they're distracted and they're seeing a shadow that's being cast that's larger than the bird or you know i mean there's all these possibilities that it's you know not quite what they think but it does seem like there have been quite a few like the number of sightings have been pretty large right i i am hoping that most people are fairly distracted by the fact that they should have their eyes on the road while they're driving and so may not be getting a perfect perspective of a bird above them but all of these sightings seem to suggest to me that there is actually a bird that is larger than normal whether it's 20 foot wingspan larger than normal I'm not certain of, but I certainly think there's something exciting out here. So what are our theories? Like, is this just the Andre the Giant of eagles, or is this something other than an eagle? Well, we we did have that, uh, and we might still, I, I, I'm not certain of, but, but we did have that infestation of cute little feral bunny rabbits in the valley. Um, I think it's possible that an eagle or two figured out that, hey, instead of preying on little tiny fishes, I could also be going after these pretty decent-sized bunny rabbits, and um, that would that could cause a, a larger eagle to occur. Imagine like Costco, you know, the ravens out at Costco, they get pretty big and fat because they're constantly fed all sorts of things. I think an eagle could get a, a good diet of rabbits and grow pretty large. So, so is that one of the main things with with birds is just diet like is is that do they just kind of grow to whatever size they can maintain or I mean they must be limited in some way right there are limitations uh, I would say probably aeronautical limitations you know you've got uh, you do have hollow bones you have to be able to lift off the ground we see what happens in summertime when the sea ducks eat too many herring and can't get off the ocean <laughs> um, so the, an eagle would have to take that into perspective too uh, so you know certainly could eat enough to get larger but probably not so large that uh, they they look crazy crazy big yeah i think that there might be something else going on so what are our other options uh another option would be species of birds that we're not as familiar with around here um there was actually a sighting of a incredibly impossibly large bird in northern northwestern togiak alaska um, and this was a pretty interesting story because it was a pilot in a fixed-wing plane, and he was up. He was actually in the air looking at this thing coming towards him. He thought it was an older otter flying towards him until it banked, and he realized it was an actual animal, and the, the wings shifted. Um, so he describes a, a bird that was probably 14 foot in wingspan. Um, and that was, that, that was, he had good eyes on it for a while. Nobody else could fully confirm that sighting, but one of the suggestions from scientists up there, uh, familiar with the birds in our area, is that it was a, a stellar sea eagle. And a stellar sea eagle is approximately the, approximately the same size as a bald eagle, a bit heavier in body, with a wingspan that could get a little bit larger. Um, because of different coloration, it's possible that a stellar sea eagle looks larger than a bald eagle to most people. And, and that's a, um, a seabird that comes over from Russia sometimes, or, or do we have them, uh, are they native to Alaska? So most stellar sea eagles are found on the Kamchatka Peninsula of Russia, but they do get around, they're fairly regulars to Kodiak, and they have been seen and confirmed in Juneau before. 
Well, I, I guess birds don't care so much about borders as we do. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Catch a few of those storms and come on over. Cool. So what? Um, so stellar sea eagles an option. What else? One of my favorite pet ideas um, for a real bird, which I don't think is that likely, uh, is the albatross. So every once in a while, we get the rare option of seeing either black-footed or the laysan albatrosses here. Um, the reason why I say that that's probably unlikely is that most people would see the difference in bird shape and wing shape between a, a raptor that we're used to seeing here and an albatross. So I would think that in their descriptions it would come up like, hey, this is a big, huge bird with super skinny arms and or <laughs> wings. <laughs> it's a bird with arms. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> it was grabbed by car. Yeah. Keep the children inside. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, so we've got albatross, stellar seagull, any other, any other large birds that, that, you know, may or may not ex have, uh, passed through this area or? Well, so there's a, a real one and a perhaps more mythical kind. Um, the okay. real bird would be a golden eagle, which we also have in Juneau. And those are over, we've seen them over Thunder Mountain, Mount Juneau and Mount Roberts. And they are, um, about the same size as a bald eagle, but also might look larger because of their coloration. But the word, the name that keeps coming up when people mention these sightings is Thunderbird. And Thunderbird is more of a, a mythical creature. Okay, so tell me about, let's, okay, before we, well, and I'd now, okay, now I just want to talk about mythical creatures. Let's, <laughs> I was going to ask more questions about the, the golden eagle, but let's just jump right into the Thunderbird. What's the, what's the story with a Thunderbird? What does that look like? And I guess, what do we, what do we, if we saw a Thunderbird, what would it look like if it was real? So the Thunderbird is actually a creature that comes up in Native American mythologies from across the country. So everything from, um, Mohican mythology to Haida, which are the stories that I grew up with, and also to the Clinket up here. So the Thunderbird would look a lot like a eagle, um, but much, much larger. Uh, they say the Thunderbird has a curved beak, not so curved as a bald eagle, but more curved than a raven, darker in color, and um, a, a massive wingspan. Uh, it's hard to describe exactly what it, oh sorry two canoes was the description that I heard oh okay so two canoes is in, in, we're in the right vicinity of like a 14 to 20 foot wingspan yep okay. exactly the cool thing about the Thunderbird is that we would not only be able to see it but possibly even hear it and this is where I think it's interesting that it comes up in our our uh, Mendenhall Valley Thunder Mountain area the idea is that the the Thunderbird when it flaps its wings when it moves its wings it creates the sound of thunder behind it okay so now is that just like uh like fun mythical creature stuff or is there like um you know when you when you hear a whip crack it's the that's the sonic the small sonic boom of of the of the whip um is it possible that there's something going on with the with an animal's wings that that it could be doing that you know actually there is <laughs> Is <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of crazy, but that idea of the sound of of thunder cracking is rooted in a reality. Um, if you think of the grouse, you know how we hear the uh, we hear ho hooting sounds from our grouse around here. There's a, a ruffed grouse that also creates a kind of um, 
deep noise as well. And, and people thought it was just that the ruffed grouse was flapping its wings on hollow logs. But it turns out if you actually watch them, they're moving their wings in such a way that it, it creates small sonic booms. So even the small grouse can create a sonic boom. If you have a large bird that can move its wings also pretty quickly, you might actually have a thunderbird. So something like the thunderbird might not be strictly a mythical creature. It might just be sort of a, a legendary creature that we don't see much anymore that either has gone extinct or is, is really rare. Is that possible? I mean, do, do we ever find um, animals like that? Yes, we, well, we find animals that we don't expect to find anymore, animals that we thought have gone extinct that come up again. Um, I think that this one is honestly pretty tough, but there are historical records of large birds with 20-foot wingspans. In Argentina, there's a, a particular bird that's massive, 20-foot wingspan, um, looks a lot like an eagle's body. That That did exist. It existed a long time ago, but... It happened once. It certainly could happen again. So there's a there's a fish. Um, I, I believe I don't 100% know how to pronounce it, but the coelacanth. Yeah. Um, and that was a fossil that they you know it was a prehistoric fossil that had existed for a long time, and and then they found a fish that, that you know they found that fish, and um, it was a really interesting story. I think there's a book called The Greatest Fish Story Ever Told or something along those lines, and it's it's a um, it's, a, it's sort of a telling of the rediscovery of this fish. And one of the reasons that they didn't weren't able to find it so often is that it was um, it lived kind of underwater and was more nocturnal. And so it wasn't often out when people were fishing, so it wasn't often caught. And so they eventually started finding them and, and catching them and were able to kind of zero in on like, oh, okay, this is where they live and this is what the, the story is behind this fish. It's a really, I mean, just a really fascinating story so like it's it's possible maybe that i mean i guess it's easier if you're a fish to avoid detection than if you're flying through the sky but how many of these valleys around here exist that nobody ever walks back into i mean we we forget sometimes how little space human beings actually take up on the earth and certainly in the ocean a sea land can't can disappear for ages but yeah. yeah i mean just looking out around us we know that people get up and explore the mountain tops but there's so much space here for mysteries to exist. Yeah. Well, cool. So I, um, I'm excited about the idea of a, uh, is a cryptid the right word? Cryptid is a good word. Yep. Okay. So uh, what is a cryptid? Cryptid is basically any sort of mysterious animal. Uh, we tend to use the word to describe expected mythical creatures. So say you're Sasquatch. Or your yeti. Pretty sure yetis aren't real, right? I well, I mean, I don't know. We'd, I mean, <laughs> we have to I, find out. <laughs> I, you're the you're the scientist, right? <laughs> you tell me. Uh, yeah, yetis, Sasquatch, uh, Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. Um, those would be considered cryptids. So mysterious phenomenon that haven't quite been proven wrong yet but but certainly are difficult to prove right yeah exactly so, okay. yes so they may exist more in our head so okay so this bird what is so it seems like the it's a real outside chance that it's a thunderbird uh that is a creature that we haven't any kind of fossil record of or anything like that what is what is more likely i i tend towards the stellar sea eagle theory myself yeah 
Um, I think that that's a good size, larger than an eagle. I think that the surprise of seeing a bird larger than normal here might cause people to extend their perception of how big it is. Right. So you see a bird with like a 10 foot wingspan and it's, and it's like, oh my God, I saw a bird with a 40 foot wingspan. Yeah. It's exactly. It's like the fishing trip uh, (laughs) problem, right? Yeah. Or, or even, I mean, I would say for the fishing trip, your fishermen tend to exaggerate possibly on purpose, you know, for, for bragging rights. I think it's possible that the drivers going down the road and seeing a much larger bird than normal might actually perceive something that is truly impossibly large. Yeah, and and on our drive out here, we saw a juvenile uh, eagle, and you pointed out to me that a lot of times with that coloration, the sort of brown mottled coloration that the juveniles have, they sometimes look bigger in flight than the the you know, than the adults will. Absolutely, I I found this a lot with visitors to the area who aren't certain what they're looking at, but they'll they'll see the mottled brown color of the juvenile, and to them that bird looks much larger than the uh, more graceful bald eagle, the adults. I'm just because they're like <laughs> learning to fly and g- galumping through the sky and fly. <laughs> they're a little they're bit just flying all weird. <laughs> like oh that bird's huge because it's super awkward. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, a little bit of that to it. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, so shall we just observe for a while? Yeah. Right. Um, one of the things I would suggest is to keep an ear out too. Uh, bald eagles have a very, very distinctive call, and a stellar sea eagle or another large raptor would have a. We would expect to have a, a different type of call. Right, and you actually mentioned this to me before we came out here. Um, the method that you would use if you were getting really serious about tracking down a bird in this area that was unusual. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, so it's really hard for us to get eyes on a lot of sky out here um, unless we go to the top of a mountain and look down on the valley. Just being on the road system, it's actually really hard to see a lot of space. And, uh, you know, there's where if I'm, if I'm tracing a mis- mythical creature, chances are I'm also working during the rest of the week so (laughs) my observation time is limited so I want a way to sort of remotely observe Um, there would be a couple ways to do that one would be to to look at uh, area cameras like the FAA cameras you can check those but uh, I would also put up um, microphones I'd be listening for any sort of strange call that's out there so we could ring the back loop road with, um, with microphones see if we can pick up anything yeah, it seems like real-time observation is not necessarily the way to go. That, that having some sort of, um, you know, mechanical advantage to your observation might be helpful. And so I guess having uh, an array of microphones and then maybe even having uh, some way to filter out unusual sounds, like this is an uncommon frequency range or this is, you know, and, and, then, and then to try and uh, then put ears on those um, identified blips might be the way to go, huh? Absolutely. There's a, a great case um, from probably 15 to 20 years ago about the 52 hertz whale. And this was a, a whale in the Pacific. And most people assume that it's because of its migration pattern um, that it's probably a blue or a fin whale. And what was fascinating about this particular sound was that they picked up 
this 52 hertz call and 52 hertz is much much higher than any other whale out there so we got this reputation as being a lonely whale the only whale to call in the wide o old ocean at that range and so that was really fascinating because you could actually pick out this is a singular animal calling in this range it's very different than anything else um, and we'd be looking for the same sort of differences here. Something that's totally out of the ordinary uh, sounds different than anything else. Yeah. Thunder sounds. Thunder sounds. <laughs> which are great because thunder's so rare in Juno too. Yeah. So so are there other interesting creatures that are out there? I mean, I, Alaska's a big state. There's probably some fascinating stories. Um, do you know any uh, other creatures that people are looking for? I think what's really interesting in Alaska is that we, we have this huge range um, and, and ecological conditions that Alaska, that the land that's considered Alaska has experienced. So, you know, we find everything from a 70 million year old reptile bird-like animal in Denali that could have been your 20 foot wingspan bird um, to utterly changing conditions now when animals that haven't had lives in Alaska before are starting to actually come up and use this area. So I don't know if you have to go as far as cryptids or, or mythical creatures, but the, the change in how animals are using Alaska now is really fascinating. Yeah, we were out at a camp not too long ago when we heard all these, um, it almost sounded like angry monkeys off in the woods. And one of the folks that was there from out of state said that sounds a lot like coyotes and I sort of laughed that off and said well maybe it's a pack of wolves but I, there's no way it's coyotes. It, it, is it possible that we have coyotes here? Absolutely which is a strange thing because 10 years ago I would have agreed with you and said nah most likely wolves doing something weird but these days those coyotes are starting to move into our area and now you have a good chance that that was actually a pack of coyotes. That's so strange. So what are other interesting, are we getting like uh, lynx or, or like bobcats or what kind of weird animals or we should, keep, should we keep an eye out for here in, in Southeast Alaska? I would be curious and I, I would have to check with uh, some of your more uh, expert area biologists, but I would be curious about cougars coming up. So mountain lions coming through the area. Uh, we've been hearing about ticks, right? Oh, Lots of good ones. No, <laughs> no, I don't want to hear about ticks. No. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> it's an important one. Though. God, that's going to just ruin everything. Ticks. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll change the subject to fish then. Okay. Um, changes in how salmon are using our rivers are going to, are going to, you're going to start seeing those, which might mean. What, what does that mean? Uh, it might actually mean that some species of salmon will start, um, going colonizing new rivers or new open rivers um that's an incredibly complex ecosystem to describe but i would be looking for new rivers being colonized older rivers changing which species they're home to um oh we're starting to see out in the out in the ocean we're actually starting to see uh fish that we consider usually more tropical or deeper water fish coming up closer so we're starting to see some sharks mm. that we haven't seen before um yeah a few years ago there was a great white shark that it like bit the back of a or like bit the halibut and a, the back of a boat over near yakutat yeah 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 so some of these are, are going to be just like one-off shot stories but put them all together and you're starting to see a pattern of movement north 
And then up north we've seen a ton of gray whales and seals dying off, right? What's, like, that's kind of the other end of the spectrum of like, oh, hey, all these new animals are here. Also, the old animals can't really survive here anymore. Is that what, like, what's going on with that? This is an area that's changing really, really fast. So up north, you're seeing influxes of warmer water, warmer temperatures. And I, the, the best guesses seem to be that warming water temperatures are causing significant changes in the ecosystem. It might be causing uh, feed fish to die off or become more difficult. Or maybe those feed fish are moving further north than the seals and the puffins um, that we've seen die off can find them. It, it's possible that the areas are opening up and now you have species that used to be locked tight in this life and death circle of life type thing. Now that circle of life is becoming wider and it's harder for the species to find each other. Right. So your, your, your food and your, um, predators and, and every, every part of that cycle is just getting wider and then it becomes frayed and then it's just sort of dissolves and then pieces start dropping out and then the circle breaks. Well, and, and before, before we and then all crying. life, and then all life as we know it ends. And a- end we... of episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could, it could be, I'm not going to tell you it won't be, but I would also say that what we're seeing is adaptation happening in probably faster than real time. So some of this circle is starting to fray now, but some of those puffins are surviving and figuring out where the fish are. Some of those seals are going to survive and figure out where their feet is. The whales will find new places to go or determine what times they need to come up. And the best that we can hope for is that the circle of figures out how to be a circle again in this new way right so rapid adaptation it was uh, um marianne was telling me my wife was telling me about this article this morning she was that um they'd studied a bunch of kids who grew up using cell phones and that they were developing a new like bone spur at the base of their neck to like help support because they're looking down all the time <laughs> it was like oh we're all just adapting all the time so it's, um, and, and there's, you know, there's stories about like frogs that will change their genders just to like be able to continue their species. And they're like, oh, okay, we don't have enough dude frogs. Let's, let's. What did we all learn when we were in high school? Life finds a way. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. Yeah, life does find a way and it's going to be, it's going to be lumpy and weird and different. And that's part of moving forward, I guess, huh? Yeah. There, you know, there are some days when you feel really optimistic about all of these changes and some days you feel less so. But I think either way, for those of us who are curious and fascinated by how life works in this area, we've we've got a lot to learn, a lot to keep learning. All right. Thanks for being here, Jen. I really appreciate it. It's a good talk. Yeah, thanks for coming out with me, Pat. So I'm looking at pictures of the various birds that were mentioned in this, the stellar sea eagle, the um, golden eagle, uh, the, the, what are the juvenile bald eagles, because I, too, have seen, I wouldn't say maybe impossibly large bird, but a very large bird before while flying, while driving from, um, 
uh, Haynes to uh, to Fairbanks when it was covering legislative session. And it was, it was, I kind of come around, it was in, in British Columbia and uh, that little kind of chunk that you go through there. And we come around the corner and there's this big giant bird kind of flying, you know, with its wings real wide. I wouldn't say it was maybe as big as the road, but it was a very large bird. I would, I don't know. I don't know. what. I, I wish I had a picture of it, but I think it was, it looks like maybe a golden eagle or maybe a juvenile. It might even, you know. Yeah. It, it was big. I really, it really left an impression on me. Too. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I, I did not get to see our impossibly large bird, but I'm gonna keep my eyes out because I think, um, you know, I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards golden eagle. Like that seems what to be what Jen, Jen thinks. Um, stellar sea eagle is definitely possible, but they're pretty distinct looking. So that yeah, they have these like kind of white sort of. They look like they have really bad dandruff on their shoulders, basically. Yeah, yeah they're kind of goofy. They look like like off-brand eagles, basically. You're like, what is that? That's like someone like made a mistake when they were trying to make an eagle. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they're pretty goofy. I like them. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's probably a golden eagle. But there's also this like part of me that really wishes it's like some like crazy cryptozoological like you know maybe it's the the reason that thunderbird exists in so many cultures is because there's an actual creature that is a giant bird that lives in the mountains that we've just never seen but you know that's seems like an outside so chance. seems like an outside chance <laughs> so when I, I mentioned bigfoot earlier i it wasn't totally out of out of joking because in high school i kid you not i um one of my teachers in, in or middle school excuse me um was a Bigfoot hunter and he'd gone out on Bigfoot hunts and he had written a book about Bigfoot and he was on this um, team that got a butt print of Bigfoot apparently they'd put apples in the middle of a big muddy field and were hoping that a Bigfoot would walk through and grab the apples but instead they got like what pretty much looks like as if somebody had come in and sort of laid in the mud and sort of reached across to grab it. If you were to kind of lay on your, you know, sort of lay down on your side and kind of uh, sort of reach for it. So it looks like a basically a Bigfoot butt cheek, if you were curious. And so anyways, we had this um, time where he, you know, okay, finally he'll, he talks about it in class towards the end of the year. You know, maybe it was just a lazy day or whatever. And so he's talking about the Bigfoot stories. He brings out his prints, his butt print and all the plaster molds and all that sort of stuff. And I think some of the kids in the class were kind of making fun of him a little bit. And I think that I remember there's this one kid who kind of stood up and said, you know, it may be sort of silly. It may be kind of dumb. But isn't it fun to believe in a world where something like that could exist? Yeah, I think that's kind of like a good attitude about it. Like it's a little bit magical, right? It's a little bit kind of unknown and mysterious and kind of having I don't know that kind of stuff is is fun. I think I think it's a. Yeah. It's a fun way to sort of think about things. I don't know. I love it from that perspective, but it's so dangerously close to like, uh, you know, fluoride is making us, is mind controlling us. And uh, yeah, it's and, Bigfoot, and, Bigfoot, and, just a red flag you know, operation. And like, you know, vac, you know, anti-vaxxers and stuff. I mean, it just feels like there's a lot of uh, like, it, it's a slippery slope into, into pseudoscience, but I love the idea that there are, and, and I know that there are fantastic creatures in the world that we don't know a lot about. Um, you know, I mentioned the coelacanth and that's a, there's an incredible book about the discovery of, of what they thought was a fossil as a living creature. And they're like, holy cow, this fish still exists and, uh, and can be caught today. And it's just it's this, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. So, oh, the one thing I did want to mention though, that you brought up yeah, 
that is also maybe pseudoscience is the bone spurs on the back of the teenager's heads. Oh man, is that is that debunked? <laughs> well, so there was a story, and I'll put it. Make sure it gets into the show notes. I think it was by um, NPR. Yeah, but it basically looked at um, that the the study was really made some was very limited and made jumped to some really big conclusions. So. You know, it didn't do things like actually measure anybody's cell phone usage. Yeah. Um, it was also only people who uh, went to a chiropractor. So um, this sort of self-admitted people. So it's kind of a limited sort of grouping already. And if you actually look at it, it's actually older people had a just as high of a occurrence of these weird little bone spurry things. So, uh-huh. um, so, so I think it, it, it's one of those stories that basically highlights like, there is a scientific process out there that real science requires and relies upon and uh, kind of watch out for the stuff that sort of feeds into our sort of like uh, our sort of narrative of because You know, it's, it's the kind of th- whole thing set in, you know, is set upon the background of teenagers are using cell phones. So therefore their brains are, or their schools are changing, which is kind of funny because I don't know any teenagers that actually hold a cell phone up to their ear anymore, but I guess, but it's, it's because they're leaning over maybe, I don't know. So. Yeah. I, I mean, sensational journalism paired with banal science is, is, isn't always great. There's always, there you always pull out the one line and, and it turns into something crazy and it's a, uh, yeah, that's that's a big problem. I need to be careful about that. Yeah. Whenever there's like science stuff, I need to make sure that it's like existed in the world for a while before well, I talk about it. <laughs> well, so uh, the thing with that one though is that it, it got published in a legit uh, research article, or magazine or whatever, right? So yeah. it was a, it was peer reviewed uh, research. It was just it's one of those things where it was it was leaping to too many conclusions, basically. So is is cell phone usage and hunched over posture making giving teenagers these bone spurs? Maybe, but we can't definitively say it from. Here. Okay, I retract my bone spur comment, and uh, <laughs> until further scientific study can be yes. conducted. Um, yeah. But I I maintain maintain optimism for someday seeing an impossibly large bird in the Manila Valley. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see an impossibly large bird. Yeah, it'd be fun. Well, and that's and that's the other interesting part about it, right? Is that like there are weird things happening now where you know, thanks to our changing climate and changing world and kind of changing human sort of influence on it, and, and you know, like as far as big cities and sort of that sort of stuff goes, like there are stuff that that's that's happening that hasn't happened before. You know, you look at like coyotes, for example. I remember um, that they basically have been here like getting up into Alaska, like re- really, really recently. And, you know, I've seen them up in, um, Cantwell actually, um, just wow. like chilling out and like, I drove by and thought, eh, it looks like a really big dog. Wait, no, that's, that's not a dog and it's not a wolf and that's oh, a coyote. Um, but yeah, there are these kind of weird stories where, you know, it's not just all death and destruction for climate change, but it's also like new animals moving into areas that they might not have been otherwise. And so um, the the coyote is like this really interesting example. And there's other stories, too, about how they're like Eastern America is like facing a huge coyote problem because they completely obliterated the wolf populations in those areas. So the coyote, which is much more kind of like can kind of coexist with humans much more easily is moving into those areas and making a really big problem. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how how 
things can adapt. And uh, like Marion was just talking to me this morning about the mold they're finding on the spaceship, on the space station. That's uh, like not only inside the space station, but like, I guess on the exterior of the space station. And uh, it's just, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, that thing we ended on life finds a way we do, we do adapt and we, uh, and we make do, and sometimes it's not always pretty. Sometimes it's fish with three eyes, but it's uh, it's the future. We're gonna change and grow and be different. Maybe that's you know maybe that's cybernetic implants, and and you know maybe that's how we adapt. There's just it's gonna be a weird world. I think kind of in this sort of time in this sort of world, I think it's sort of good fun to wonder about what this giant animal may be, and and at the same time maybe to learn about you know what kind of other big birds that are really out there and and what they are all getting up to. I don't know. I think that's that's kind of fun to understand our world a little bit better. It's kind of about curiosity, right? Like it's this yeah. this scientific curiosity. It drives us to to find the answer to questions and. Uh, to reassess what we thought we knew and uh, it's fun to explore these strange strange tangents yeah totally all right well that's our all right bird episode <laughs> <laughs> if okay so let's close it so if there if one cryptid had to be real you know we and we find look we get off this and look at our phone and there's an ap news alert that they've Found a Bigfoot or oh, found oh, a yeah. Loch Ness monster. Which which one would you want to see out there? What which sort of monster would you want to come true? Oh, one hundred percent Nessie. Nessie, okay. Yeah, or actually, no, no, the Iliamna monster, the Lake Iliamna one. I basically, oh, the, yeah. it's like the Loch Ness monster of Alaska. That's the one I want. The the. I do kind of like these sort of giant sea monster things. So I think that yeah. like is a little more plausible, right? Than, yeah. That's the thing with the giant bird is that you would presumably be able to pretty easily see it whereas you have the big dark ocean it's yeah terrifying i don't know night birds what if it's yeah. a night bird oh it could be a night bird maybe a giant owl yeah oh uh, my god that'd be awesome yeah yeah okay giant owl is big on my list i might actually update i might i might go with the kraken i'd love to Ooh. like kraken would be a pretty good real real one yeah kind of terror of the deep yeah I think I'd go with Bigfoot. I'm I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I think I would really <laughs> like it. If there's this gentle wood ape yeah. hanging out, you know. Oh, and I, I think <laughs> all the stories about him are always kind of like uh, kind. You know, he's always rescuing people and and watching out for hikers. And very rarely does he ever rip someone's arms off and beat him to death. Like there's no very few stories about about Bigfoot related fatalities. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. You know, you know, Matt. I even if Bigfoot's not real, uh, you can rest assured that Alaska is is full of of gentle forest apes. <laughs> there are there are there are some wonderful Bigfoot like creatures in Alaska who live out in the woods. <laughs> True. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all our right. episode. I'll see you later. Right. Yeah. Let's do this again sometime. Let's have some fun with this. All right. Goodbye, Alaska. See you later. <laughs>